Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm going to be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate all right so you're listening to this podcast right now london is blue and guess what we host our podcast on anchor.fm that's right if you're looking to host your own podcast this is the easiest free way to get started. This has got a content creation tool allows you to record and the podcast right from a phone. That's right. Don't even need a computer, but you can do it there too. They'll also help you distribute it, which is probably the most challenging part. You don't want to have to mess with that. They got you covered. You can get it right on a Spotify and Apple podcast as well as any other place podcasts are found. And you know what? You can monetize it too. Make a little cash for sharing your great content with the world. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one individual place. So you know what? Head over to your app store, download the Anchor app, or head to anchor.fm to get started if you're ready to launch your podcast and make it happen. Brandon, you you eating? You all right? You're going to die on us? Brandon has officially died. Hi, I'm Paulo Ferreira. And you are listening to the London Miss Blue. Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to the London Is Blue podcast, a podcast made for the fans by the fans, celebrating the only team that matters. Come on, you blues. Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to another episode of the London Is Blue podcast presented by World Soccer Shop. Head on over to worldsoccershop.com for the best Chelsea gear around. We've got a full lineup tonight, listeners, as we are staying up late, way past our bedtimes, to make sure we get you your regularly scheduled podcast. Dan and Nick are here per usual, thankfully recovered from their, you know, mid-afternoon sickness on this Monday. Um, You know, you guys, the effort that you're making today is one of true heroes, Dan. Well, it's really the fact that, you know, we were inspired by Logan and we really just wanted to show off those superhuman uh, healing abilities that we had, you know, three o'clock sickness, five o'clock healing all the way better. Uh, You know, perfect. I'm more of a Deadpool myself. Oh, okay, that's that's cool. But then then you also have a screwed up face, which you know. Yeah, well, you, you live. You know what are you gonna okay. do? That's why we're a podcast. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, actually, uh, really exciting tonight, listeners. Joining us as a first time guest is Jeff Borsello. Uh, welcome to the pod for the first time, Jeff. 
Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me. I I didn't have to fake any sickness today. I just watched watched the match as part of my regular my regular day, my regular afternoon. Just took a break from work for a second. No you're, faking sickness though. You're, you're turning the whole audience against you. With I know. I'm sorry. Already, right. But no, I'm, I'm trying to I'm trying to show my dedication to preparing <laughs> for the podcast. It's true. Um, yeah, so in case you're unfamiliar with Jeff, he is a recruiting insider for ESPN's college basketball coverage, also a Chelsea FC supporter and a Delaware grad. Uh, I guess real quick, Jeff, uh, where should people be following you so they can stay on up to date and pretty much figure out the secret recipe for March Madness brackets? I just follow me on Twitter at Jeff Borzello, J-E-F-F-B-O-R-Z-E-L-L-O, and I sort of link to everything from there. So if you follow me there, you can pretty much find everything. That's fantastic. Obviously, we're a pretty heavy Twitter user fan group as well, so that'll be easy for us. Uh, Dan, I guess, do you want to do a, a quick interview, start us off with Jeff here before we jump into the pod? Yeah, this is probably the opposite of how it works for Jeff normally, I imagine. I imagine he's the person asking the questions. So, uh, you know, yeah, yeah, we, we'd love to just kind of understand, you know, obviously you're, you're involved with the SPN, you know, you, you have a career kind of within, you know, sports media. We'd love to understand, you know, what, how you got there. Uh, well, I mean, I've always loved college basketball it's from when I was younger and I want, I sort of wanted to do what I'm doing now. I just didn't think it was possible, I guess. And so I sort of, I wrote for a bunch of smaller websites. Um, I ran my own for a little bit and then I was, I went to grad school for teaching just because I didn't. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I, I knew I knew I wanted to do this. I just didn't know if I could. So I just went to grad school, figured I'd be a teacher and, and you know, sort of cover basketball in my free time. And then, you know, I, I got a couple of nice breaks writing for some some bigger, smaller sites. And then CBS Sports kind of contacted me out of the blue one day, um, asked if I want to interview for a job. Interviewed, got that job. And then I was there for about three and a half years. And then ESPN uh, reached out to me. And, and I've been there for about two and a half years now. Very cool. Um, I guess, you know, kind of bringing it back to the pod and relating it to that is how did you become a Chelsea supporter? Yeah, I mean, I played soccer like my whole life. I started when I was five years old. I just never got into, I guess, European soccer until like late in my high school, early college. So it was around like 2004, 2005. Um, and then I liked watching Portugal play. Um, I, I mean, I, didn't, I, I knew a few of the players. And then, you know, as I was sort of looking more into them, I noticed that like all of them were playing for Chelsea around that time. And so I just start, figured I'd start watching Chelsea and then just sort of, uh, I guess, fell in love with them. And, and I've, I've been, they're, they're sort of my favorite sports team in any sport by far. And that's the only, the only team that I sort of like live and die with uh, in terms of a result. Yeah. And so do we, and that's kind of the best part of the show. Um, to kind of specialize on one team and kind of follow the ups and downs is, is brilliant. But, you know, you're looking at some of these past Portugal players, Jeff, and can you maybe name a favorite current player and a favorite past player that you, know, you kind of grew up watching that, that would be kind of on, on the top of your list? I think my favorite past player, and it's kind of weird, but I think it's Deco. I know he was only with the team for like two years, but uh-huh. I just – I he was the first jersey I got, first Chelsea jersey. Like, it gave me some street cred when I went to some of the, the Chelsea games in, in America a couple of summers ago, but – um, I was like, I was really excited when they signed him. And then that first game, he had that 30 yard goal. And um, I, was just, I was just hooked. And for, for some reason, like he's still my favorite player, even though he didn't really do much else after that goal. Um, <laughs> current, current player would probably be, I guess I would say Aspilicueta. I, I mean, I, I always want uh, Hazard to do well. I just, it's sort of a love hate thing at this point. 
because it just it's so frustrating when he's not. So I think I would just go ask Filiqueta because I know what I'm going to get from him, and I know I'll always be happy with him. Yeah, Dave. Dave is an easy fan pick. You know, since you work in in sports media, Jeff, how do you kind of consume Chelsea news when you're maybe on assignment? Uh, mostly Twitter, um, and then you know during like you know transfer deadline day, then I suddenly I I will get like I'll I'll make sure I have like nine or ten accounts going straight to my phone, so I don't miss anything. <laughs> I'm like that's I've always been sort of like a rumor gossip hound, um, mm-hmm. and so like transfer rumors are just right up my alley, and so I just. Whenever it's it's nearing the deadline, it's I, I want up to the second info as soon as I can get it. Is there a transfer rumor that you've read recently uh, that you would love to come true about Ooh. Chelsea? That's a good one. Um, I did also just go off our script completely to ask that question. <laughs> no, no um, I don't know. I just it's it's been rumored in the past. It hasn't really been rumored recently. And I think it, it mostly comes from FIFA is Obama Yang being linked Ooh. to Chelsea every once in a while. I just, That's I'm obsessed dude. with him on FIFA. I just, I don't think it would really work out, you know, given their current setup in real life, but. It, it, that's always been the one for like three summers running that I just always wanted to happen. All right. Well, March madness is about to start in a week or so, you know, for the U.S. fans, the rest of our listeners, I apologize. Uh, but we have a few rapid-fire questions for you. So real quick, um, do you, you know, as we get ready to pick our brackets, you have a couple of sleeper picks that are your favorite at this point. I know obviously not everyone's in, but you, know, you can take a bubble team if you want. Yeah, I think there's a couple. I think uh, Iowa State and Oklahoma State, I think they're going to be sort of Ooh. middling seeds, like six, seven, yes. eight seeds. But Iowa I, State. I, yeah, and I think that they both can win a couple of games. Uh, I think they're playing really well at the right time. And then if you want a, a real a sleeper 12-13 seed, I think UNC Wilmington, uh, you know, they won their conference tournament on Monday night, and they're going to the tournament for the second year in a row. They hung with Duke for about 35 minutes last year, and, uh, and I think they're good enough to win a game or two this year. So beyond that, do you have a thought around who your final four would be? Uh, I still can't quit Duke. I know they've they've lost eight games at this point, oh. and everyone's sort of off the bandwagon, but I'm still on it. And I can't really get off of it at this point. So I would go Duke. I would go UCLA. Um, and then I think Kansas and Villanova uh, would be my other two. I think those those last two are likely to be number one seeds, so they'll have an easier path. But So I, I would go Duke, UCLA, Kansas, Villanova before seeing the matchups. All right. Then pick your champion so that everyone kind of gets their, uh, the ahead of the game here. I would not recommend jumping on the bandwagon with me for this one, but I'm going to pick Duke, I think. Um, oh. I just think that they're so talented and, you know, I, I, at some point I'm expecting the light to sort of switch on. I know it's getting late for that, but, um, I'm anxious to see them in the ACC tournament this week to see if they maybe change during a single elimination deal. But, uh, for now I'm going to pick them. Well, you heard but it be, here be first. Forward, I've never won a bracket <laughs> pool, so I wouldn't trust me. Oh, well, the odds on that are just nuts, but uh, it's a fun time. And I think, you know, the rest of us, you know, Dan, Nick and myself are just general sports fans. And uh, it's a fun time over here in the U.S. If you're unfamiliar with March March Madness, uh, Google and YouTube it because it is by far some of the best sporting um, just event to watch ever. A bunch of amateurs, bunch of kids just putting it all out on the court. 
All right. Well, gentlemen, we have iTunes reviews and we have quite a few, but Dan, who's up to read this week? Uh, isn't is you, Brandon? Isn't your turn to read? Oh, man. Uh, I, I, <laughs> all right. Well, it's like backfired. a eye rubber, you're a glue moment. It feels very like uh, you know playground kind of mentality there. Yeah, it happens. So if you want a shout out from us on the next podcast, all you got to go do is head over to iTunes and give us a five-star rating. Four stars? I'm not going to promise on that. Come on now. Uh, but this week we have Wrenchel, Tommy Lawler, Lynch583114, Schwinn3, Ekin000, and Jay Fritzky, all from the U.S. store, dropping those five-star bombs. Appreciate it. And even from the U.K. store, we're starting to get some love from across the pond. We appreciate it. Chimichambo and Stevie Rudd, both of you, again, five-star reviews. Thank you so much. But real quick, before we get into the match review, we have a fantastic deal as we always do every pod coming your way. So, Nick, what is it this week? Yeah, I mean, we're, we're continuing on this crazy streak of deals from World Soccer Shop. $59.99 for a home kit. It's really easy. Just go on worldsoccershop.com using our referral link. Best way to support our show. Uh, buy yourself one of these tasty Adidas kits before they are gone next year and Nike takes over. Brandon. All right. Well, it is West Ham United review time. Premier League match headed over to the London Stadium. Not a far bus trip for the team at all. It was this past Monday, March 6th. In case you missed it, Blues 2, Hammers 1. Not the result Antonio Conte wanted. But Dan, we had a lineup and copy-paste. Uh, sort of a copy-paste in this scenario then, yes, because we had Courtois, Aspilicueta, Luis, Cahill, Moses, Fabregas starting, not Matic. Conte comes in, Alonso, Pedro, Costa, and Hazard, who we thought might be a little bit of an injury concern, uh, does get the starting nod. And we got to see uh, Matic, William, and Zuma all come off the bench for an appearance standpoint. And uh, really cool to see Fabregas get an away match because we had talked about his home form and his home uh, actions over the past couple of weeks. Uh, but it was cool to get, you know, see that opportunity come to life for him. It's true. We talked about how Fabregas was essentially only suited to be able to play against some of the weaker teams that we'd be more open and expansive. West Ham are definitely not an open and expansive team. So it was quite the different uh, look and kind of feel to this match compared normally. Um, you know, goals, obviously, you know, starting it off Hazard. He's back at it in the 25th minute. Pedro on the assist. I mean, this was a brilliant counterattack. And I believe they timed it eight seconds to cover 75 yards. Yeah, um, I mean, this, this is stupid, Brandon. Th- this was as clinical as you can get. And Golo Conte, uh, you know, just does his own thing, puts himself in a position to intercept a ball, passes up to, uh, to Hazard, who passes to Pedro, passes to Hazard in eight seconds. Beautiful, clinical, lethal, whatever you want to call it. It was tremendous. And, uh, you know, this was kind of after a rough patch. I mean, the game kind of opened, um, you know, a little sloppy. You know, there's, you know, kind of some misplaced passes from our squad all over the pitch. And, uh, you know, it was just one of those great kind of relief moments that you thought, all right, well, you know, tricky game away, but, you know, it looks like the team still has their shape. The uh, pass from Pedro was fantastic because it was a little bit behind him and he still waited it 
perfectly. Uh, Jeff, seeing this in the ESPN offices, I mean, that had to have been something to get people a little bit excited about, huh? Well, yeah, and you know, I, we might talk about this a little, little bit later, but it seemed like a lot of the counterattacks, especially the past couple of weeks and today, it seemed like they were a little bit off. I mean, they should have five, six goals. This one, Hazard's pass to Pedro, if that, if Pedro couldn't, you know, lean back just, uh, you know, the half inch more that he did, that would have been behind him and the counterattack would have been over. And so just for Pedro's pass was unbelievable. Um, you know, to me, there's still nothing better than a counterattack goal. So, you know, that doing it that quickly with that, you know, just the finish, the pass, everything about it was just so good. And, and like Nick mentioned, it seemed like it, it sort of, I would have expected it sort of to go the other way. You know, when Chelsea scored, I thought West Ham would wake up a little bit. It seemed to wake Chelsea up more. And, you know, they got more possession. They were in West Ham's zone a little bit more. Um, so I, I think they was sort of just a, you know, a relief moment, like you said. Um, and, and Chelsea really took control from there on out. Second goal of the match was Diego Costa on the 50th minute. Technically no assist because I believe it came off a West Ham player. Uh, right place, right time, Dan. You know, right off the corner kick. It was um, his highest performance up the pitch in the last few matches as well. Yeah, uh, it's it's that moment when everyone who maybe has been frustrated, maybe been making jokes about Chinese takeout, uh, maybe taking an <laughs> opportunity to uh, wish for a, a summer purchase and, and massive sale to reflect, uh, go back and furiously delete their tweets or Facebook status comments. Um, and, and remember, Diego Casa is your king and your savior uh, and poacher <laughs> of all things inside the box and continue to show that he is willing to uh, score whenever he pleases. The governor returned, putting his mark on this match without a doubt. Um, you know, again, it was good to see Chelsea get goals on either side of halftime. And then, you know, the 90th minute and a little bit of stoppage time, Lanzini uh, off the IU assist. Bad giveaway in our own half gave West Ham a bit of hope at the end. You know, but, you know, Nick, thankfully, it was just a, a bit of a, a bump in the road and nothing more than that. Yeah, it was sloppy pass by Dave to be, and, and I blame myself for putting our man of the match poll on our Twitter uh, or our uh, text group too early, including Dave. And it was like the second later he made this sloppy crossfield pass, and you know a couple of fumbles and and misplaced tackles later. Lanzini had it in the back of the net, and you know I know this is the kind of goal that will make Antonio Conte furious because up till that point it had been a pretty comprehensive victory. You know, it hadn't been a, a great victory it hadn't been a high performance victory but it still was comprehensive and the fact that you know West Ham didn't even have a shot on goal to that point but uh, they they really took uh, kind of the, the air out of Chelsea's sails and uh, I think Antonio Conte will will look at this and look at the the late goal conceded by Arsenal um, or at or at Stanford Bridge by Arsenal a couple weeks back and think that there's really something to work on because the group kind of switched off a little bit well, thankfully, like we said, Chelsea got all three points, um, and that was pretty much the importance going into this because, you know, it was an interesting situation because Chelsea were the last match of the week. And thankfully, earlier in the season, a lot of other occasions, we were the first match of the weekend, and we were able to put extra pressure on our opponents. Well, everyone else had won up until that point. So 
all eyes were on Chelsea. We heard the Harry Kane and the other Tottenham players coming out saying, I we're West Ham supporters this weekend. You know, we're going to root them on. And it just, it wasn't meant to be. It was not good enough uh, for them this weekend. Jumping into our questions. Well, Fabregas was back this week and in a much different situation compared to Swansea. So Nick, what did you make of the uh, Spanish maestro tonight? Uh, I thought he was he was missing uh, for a lot of this match. Um, to be honest with you, I think the uh, the pace of the game didn't really suit him. Uh, you know, it was pretty frantic there in the first, you know, especially the first twenty minutes, and then I think in the second half it kind of got that way too. When when West Ham was chasing the game down two nil. Uh, you know, he he and the entire team, I think, really struggled to pass the ball effectively tonight. And, I, you know, Jeff mentioned this, you know, in, in his uh, synopsis of the Hazard goal that, you know, Hazard's passing tonight was atrocious, too. I mean, I, th- I think overall he scored a great goal, but was was lacking in every other area. Um, I, I think Fabregas struggled, too. And, and if not for N'Golo Conte kind of cleaning up some messes, uh, I think he he might have been caught out uh, a couple of more times, which wouldn't have been great. So, um, lesson learned there. But you know, as we saw with Demanja Matic coming on the pitch, I'm not sure he would have offered that much more. So again, I don't think you can make that argument. Jeff, what did you think of the flow in the team? I know Nick is is talking about the misplaced passes. I mean, Chelsea is a team we're still at 84 percent overall. Uh, Fabregas was above that at 86, but I mean, as far as the look he gave the team. Um, what what did you think? I guess how did you feel he fit in in tonight's match? Well, I think before the goal, I mean, he was almost invisible. Um, you know, West Ham did a really good job of of not letting Chelsea get the ball to, you know, Costa and Hazard in, in good positions. And you know, Hazard even he he said he likes playing more in the middle, and he he did that a lot. And so West Ham, with how narrow they played, it sort of played into their hands early on, as as everyone was sort of just condensed in the middle and. You know, Fabregas couldn't really pick out passes, and and there was pretty much everything before the goal was in Chelsea's own half when they had the ball. Um, and so it was just, you know, he came into the game more once once Chelsea scored and was up, and and you know we had uh, possession more. But honestly, I mean, I, I agree with Nick. I don't I don't think he he had the same impact that he's had in the past. But you know, I, I think that's what West Ham wanted to do. They wanted to really pack in the middle. Uh, and, and sort of make Chelsea get some ugly goals or some counterattacking goals, and, and that's what they did. You know, Dan, uh, according to Opti- or Squawk's rankings of the midfielders, you know, Fabregas was actually above N'Golo Kante, and I was listening to Talk Sport on the way home, as I do quite a bit, and they actually said that Fabregas covered more meters on the field than N'Golo Kante tonight. I mean... That's pretty crazy, but I think it just goes to show you he was doing less conducting and more maybe running around with his head cut off a little bit. Oh, I, I don't necessarily know if I would say that his, his head was uh, dislodged from his body, but uh, he definitely was getting turned a little bit more. Um, you know, I think part of that, too, was the the way the game maybe was officiated in the uh, the first half. Where uh, you know there's some some rogue uh, thug uh, wearing a West Ham kit who somehow made it on the pitch had failed you know fouled four or five players uh, and hadn't picked up uh, you know any, any type of caution so I, I think that definitely was not a, it was a more physical game which you know, typically you would assume that Matic would be able to assert himself a little bit more have a little bit more physical dominance 
Um, but you know, I, I don't think the midfield played exceptionally well. I think it was it, it definitely was a battle of the trenches. And I actually think that that allowed Moses and Alonzo to look a little bit more lively, get more balls kind of forward and be, and be more involved in the attack. Uh, you know, they kind of did not have, you know, as much, I think, defensive responsibility as we've seen from them the past few weeks. I'd agree with that. I was just trying to pull you into a trap that you completely <laughs> avoided. Uh, yeah, just, I'm, I'm, I'm doing my best in Golo Conte impersonation right oh, now. Oh, man. Uh, well, Fabregas was by far Chelsea's leader in passes completed at 77. Azpilicueta was in second at 61. And when it came to his accurate passes, again, no one was even close to him uh, on the Chelsea team at 66 accurate passes uh, for the night. So, you know, overall, I think that uh, it was a quieter night. I think less key passes is what we noticed from Fabregas. Just that is something that was lacking tonight. But thankfully, our wingbacks and attacking trio were still able to, you know, create some issues for West Ham. And with that being said, moving on to question number two, how about that Pedro guy, eh? Huh? A little great vision by the uh, board to buy him before he really broke through and showed everyone his true potential, huh? Is that right, Dan? La Liga didn't really live up to it until his second season at Chelsea. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I mean, Dan, I did drop Hazard for Pedro this last week in my fantasy team. That's why he scored. I tell you, every time you drop Hazard from your fantasy team, he scores. So everyone drop him all the time. I do oh, it. Uh, maybe for the maybe team. specifically Brandon. You know, Brandon just needs to pick him up and drop him every week and use his free transfer <laughs> for the for the benefit of the, the club. <laughs> it's definitely not for my fantasy benefit. But no, Dan, seriously. I mean, obviously Pedro was off to a rocky start when he came to Chelsea. You know, we look at Squawkas did a nice little uh comparison of his last three seasons at Barcelona and his first two at Chelsea. And his goal scoring is significantly up. His assists are um, about 400% higher. And even his successful take-ons. I mean, he is having more success going around Premier League defenders than La Liga defenders. And I think for me, that's something that really surprises me. You would assume we always hear that like, defending in La Liga is quite soft. Uh, but he seems to be having way more success here. Yeah, it's actually very enjoyable to watch. And I think one of the times that you appreciate uh, – just what it, what it, how good it can feel to be wrong, and I th- think that uh, we look back to you know being in Minneapolis at the start of the season and kind of wondering you know with William having his Player of the Year performance last season, you know did Pedro have a spot or would he potentially be offloaded? And you know William can't get ahead of him for game time right now, and I think that's a credit to the pace, the tenacity. The fact that, and he said in interviews, the fact that he just you know continues to run basically the entire game, and that's what you know Conte asked him to do, and he's bought into it a hundred percent. And I think you know a lot of teams are probably kicking themselves, wondering like, man, we we could have had Pedro for around you know thirty one, thirty two million pounds too. Why didn't that happen to us? And you know, you look at that, you look at Conte, you look at some of the the times that people want to criticize the board. It's because we didn't go out and sign the most valuable player uh, you know, in the world. We go make these acquisitions that actually are going to end up winning us the league uh, and not being the flashiest player on the pitch. And I, I think it, you know we need to think about that the next time we don't sign you know a Griezmann or something of that nature because you know it, it actually is a really smart footballing board. And I will tell you, there's a, a one or two other clubs in London who wish they had. Um, 
people with the football acumen on their board that we have. So, Jeff, uh, last season we absolutely ridiculed and were frustrated pounding our heads against the wall when Pedro's performances. Uh, where have you stood kind of on the spectrum from last year, a rough start to this year, and kind of Pedro's impact? Well, I mean, it, it seems like every time that, you know, we talk about or anybody talks about what does Chelsea need to buy in the summer? What do they need to improve on? Everyone's oh, they need a new right wing. And, I mean, I don't, I don't, I mean, I know Pedro is not this, this, he's not Alexis Sanchez. He's not, but you know, he's, he's been, you know, maybe the most consistent Chelsea player this season and he's totally pushed William to the bench. You know, that's not even a discussion anymore. I remember, I remember, you know, your early season podcast, it was, it was more of a Pedro versus William debate than the Fabregas versus, versus Matic debates. And and now it's not even a, a question, you know, he's, he's totally locked down the, the right wing spot. And, um, you know, he's, it's, it doesn't look smooth a lot of the time. I you know it, he always looks like he's on the verge of slipping or tripping over the ball or tripping over himself, but it's effective. And, you know, it's sort of an unorthodox style, but he scores, he gets assists. He's always around the ball. Um, you know, he's always in the, in the 18 yard box, you know, making things happen. And, um, you know, I, I feel a lot more comfortable with him on the ball this year than I did last year. Definitely no arguments there. You know, Nick, what does this mean for William? Obviously, he was last season's player of the year. You know, as we look ahead to the rest of the season and maybe even next season. I think it means he's going to convert to a wingback, to be honest with you. Um, you know, you, I, I look at it and I think that we're going to go buy someone uh, as a forward, uh, regardless of if Diego stays or goes to China or whatever. Um so one or two players up front that are probably going to be purchased. And I think he's going to have to fight it out with Victor uh, at right wing backer or, you know, kind of be resigned to the bench unless, you know, someone has to dip in form because, uh, you know, Pedro is a better finisher than William is. Um, you know, I, I like William's burst. I like his uh, dribbling capabilities. I, I think that he is on the counter. Uh, maybe even a little more lethal than Pedro is just due to his like ridiculous speed. Um, but Pedro is a way better finisher. Uh, and at that point I, I really can't offer William any consolation. So uh, I think he's going to have to fight it out for a wing back and really, you know, kind of make that his, his goal or, you know, maybe get pushed, uh, pushed to the side. Jeff, wasn't that your tweet that said something along the lines of, is anyone else appreciative of Pedro taking 247 less touches than everyone else to finish? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it, I feel like, and it's, especially on the counter. I mean, I feel, and I love William on the counter, but unless he gets the ball, you know, at pace moving forward, he stops. And that's what everyone does. And, and there were times today where it looked like Chelsea was trying to pass the ball into the back of the net. But Pedro, he takes one touch, looks at the net, boom. And that's it. And, you know, I feel like you, you need somebody like that um, to sort of a little, be a little bit more direct, a little more clinical uh, inside the 18-yard box. You don't need the four, five, six, seven touches, four passes. You know, take a shot, get, you know, force the, force the keeper to make a save or, or goes in the back of the net. And, you know, we saw last week, it doesn't have to be the greatest shot. You know, goalies make mistakes. And, um, you know, I, I feel like I wish Hazard took more shots from, from 18, 20 yards out. Uh, you know, just force the goalie to make a make a make a play. I feel like Nick, you line Jeff up to just back up everything you've been saying. Ah, isn't it? Or, or they're or they're or they're long lost brothers. One of the two. <laughs> we're, we're not sure which. this all out. Yep. Isn't it beautiful to hear a voice of reason on this podcast? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> oh man well it will be interesting to see what uh does develop with william i would agree i think that the finishing from pedro this season has uh just been sharper obviously um you know i guess dan what where do you think on that you know william obviously was the one bright spot in an otherwise dismal season last year yeah i think i still go back to the fact that you know, William basically was gone for about a month plus with the situation involving the passing of his mother. And I I think that, and you kind of pin it back to that, it was really the point that he lost the the grip on on the role. And and look, I think when you lose a parent, it is a traumatic event. And, you know, I, I don't want to kind of try to associate or kind of say like this is how I know he feels, because that's, you know, he's gonna feel the way that he does. But I think that since that point in time, it's been very hard to build sustainable time for him on the pitch. And I think Pedro, uh, you know, is 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 a class player, and you know, he's won pretty much every trophy available to him outside of the uh, the Premier League. And you know, he has gripped his opportunity and took hold of it, and and really has a stranglehold on it. Just does won't let go. And so I think actually the point that Nick made about a wingback position, I actually think that is a a good shout for what we might try to see or, or might try to work William in because then it takes advantage of his pace, puts him into an opportunity to be a little bit more defensive and really leaves the, the shooting uh, to more of uh, Pedro or someone who's not going to take 500 touches uh, before they take the shot. All right. Let us know what you guys think on Twitter. Obviously, feel free to email us as well if you need to. But question number three, overall, the game was quite even statistically, maybe even edge to West Ham. Uh, West Ham had more shots, more touches, more passes, more take-ons, more tackles, more corners. But we both had the same amount of chances created at six apiece. Nick, was this another good display from Chelsea, essentially just grinding it out and uh, wearing West Ham down uh, to get the victory? I don't think so at all. I mean, I think Chelsea were well in control of this game. I mean, the stats, you know, this is why I I love the statisticians. I love, you know, the Stats Bomb podcast. I love, you know, Mixed Nuts on Twitter. But you know, that's why watching the game is so important because it tells you a whole different story. I mean, Chelsea were comfortably in front and and really for the last, you know, 25 minutes, you know, couldn't be bothered. I mean, West Ham tried everything to get the ball to Andy Carroll and couldn't do it. And, you know, we'll mention Dave here in a second, but Dave undercut every run that Andy Carroll had in this game to try and get the ball in his head. Uh, and, and I think it was just a tremendous strategy from Antonio Conte, knowing that was going to happen and, and playing the line that they did. Uh, so I think this was a good display. It was away from home. All, all three of us were nervous for this match, right? And so when you go back and look at our text, you know, five minutes before the, the match started, we were all nervous. And we would have all taken a 2-1 easily, you know, before the match started. And, and it was really a 2-0 when you, when you looked at the whole performance. So... Uh, you know, I, I I can't be that critical of this. Do I think they played brilliantly? Absolutely not. You know, I don't think it was one of those type performances, but it was a comfortable win. All right. I mean, you know, Jeff, I think that was a big thing that a lot of people were, were waiting to see was, oh, great. Chelsea are going to have to defend long balls and crosses in the box. Not our most, you know, trusted part of the defense this season. But overall, I mean, dealing with the giant of Andy Carroll, they uh, they kept him pretty quiet. Yeah, and that, that was sort of the thing that stood out to me is is once 
you know, Dave and, and the rest of the back line sort of took the the Andy Carroll factor away. I mean, the only time, you know, he was really relevant was that 25, 30 yard strike that he took. But, you know, once they took that away, you know, West Ham didn't really have any sort of direction, any sort of organization. Um, you know, they just didn't seem to have any idea what they wanted to do once Chelsea sort of took that that game away. And, you know, just, just if you just looked at the if you pause the TV at any point during the game, you know, you see Chelsea always organized. They always had guys on the touchlines. You know, everything organized. West Ham just had no organization. There was six guys around the ball. There was one guy just, you know, wandering aimlessly. Cresswell was always seemingly open uh, down the left flank. They had no idea how to get him the ball. Um, you know, it just seemed like they didn't, they didn't, you know, once Chelsea made it clear that they were not going to let Andy Carroll boss the game in the air, you know, I, I don't know if, if West Ham knew what to do. It was just, I know the stats show one thing. I, I don't, I just don't think West Ham ever, you know, to use a boxing reference, I don't know if they ever landed a punch, uh, obviously, until that late goal. You know, there was corners and there was some, you know, half chances here and there. But I just think West Ham, they didn't have any, you know, you know any, I guess, purpose or any any backup ideas um, besides long balls and corner kicks. No, I'd agree with that. Absolutely. Um, you know, Dan, I haven't really heard the term, I guess the saying, Hey, that was, that was a tough win and, and a sign of champions, you know, this season from Chelsea, we heard it a lot in 2014, 2015. Uh, am I deaf or why is that? I guess, do you think? Yeah, I think, you know, it's funny. I, w- I was looking through Twitter before the show and I saw Dan, Dan Levine, good friend of the podcast, made mention that, you know, in certain years, there's dates where you kind of can start to believe that it, it's going to happen. And uh, he indicated that uh, today on March 6th, uh, that was kind of the date potentially this year that you kind of start to believe and, and then froze followed it up by, well, I believed after we beat Everton five, nothing. Um, so, so <laughs> he's an optimist Cla- classic. one trip there. Yeah. Very, very good optimism. Different from 14, 15, uh, you're, you're starting to hear it. I, I think people don't want to give away the narrative of a chase and because that's exciting, you know, it, it's, you know, it's selling the game and it's making the game exciting, but, but Chelsea are kind of, you know, you know, it's, it's the 14, 15 chant again, it's boring, boring Chelsea. Um, we go in, we win, even with the, you know, the tentative feelings beforehand, the, the, the goosebumps and the butterflies in the stomach uh, go out and put in performances against teams that are consistent and the fact that we walk away with three points, maybe not always point where we know that some combination of Pedro Costa, maybe Alonzo Moses, uh, you know, Conte Fabregas put something together and we, you know, net our goal, our defense led by Luis is able to manage some you know, stalwart defending in the back. And we don't we don't leak a terrible amount of goals. I mean, we've been a little bit more opportunistic there recently, but I, I think it's a, it's more about the creation of the narrative and keeping the idea of a chase around because ultimately, City still have a game in hand. We we still have to go out, you know, and earn twenty plus points to finalize, um, you know, finalize our title. And you know that 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 you know we, we want to be cautious. I, I would say really quick that Brandon didn't read all the way down the script where Jay Austin said, that's the kind of performance that wins championships. Not nearly our best, but three points is three points. So. <laughs> I was waiting to tee myself up and you literally just stole it from me. Whatever. What 
Any other thoughts? Let's see. Let's go through these uh, tweets real quick before uh, I get caught off guard again. <laughs> uh, at Topher Wayne says that he loves seeing Zuma play some significant minutes tonight. Love seeing Conte have confidence in him. Hope the club can keep him around. You know, I guess, Dan, any concern that Chelsea might not keep him around? And I guess, how do you think he looks keeping it very short and brief? Uh, going through Conte's graduate school of tactical acumen. Uh, agreed. Yeah. All right. Very good. One thing, um, kept it short one and sweet. Thing, I, I was very, very short. There was uh, somebody sent me the stat today that Chelsea is, are the only premier league team to use all three subs in every match so far this season. I, I, I wanted to drop that at some point in the podcast. It seemed like a good time right there. So that it, was it, well it, it took me way off guard. I, I didn't think that, that he used three subs in every match, but it's it's giving Zuma time. It's giving these other guys time, and um, you know it's it's one less thing to complain about. Does one minute for Mishi really count? As yeah, a- that's <laughs> huge for him. He's boosting those those game match appearances. He gets a he gets a, um, a bonus if he features in so many matches. So it's perfect. Um, let's see. We have HN underscore Nadia saying that Kurtal was very good and he had a ton of uh, saves today. Anyone want to? Shout out extra to Courtois or just skip over it? I feel bad for him. Like, it's boring, isn't it? <laughs> it's, it's One, it's boring, but he can't get a clean sheet. Uh, you know, yeah. this is... He was furious after yeah. that. Uh, he I'm, was I'm, furious. I feel really bad for him. I mean, he's, he's been playing great and, you know, he doesn't get tested a ton, but when he does, he makes saves. And then the back line lets him down in, in sort of the final minutes and he can't keep a, he can't keep a clean sheet. Here's the thing. If this is the pinnacle of excitement and playing, <laughs> does he really want to go retire in La Liga in the next season or two? Because it's not going to be any more, you know, it's not going to be any better than this for him. Oh, it's, no. it's, it's a hard life being a goalkeeper. I appreciate your perspectives. Um, <laughs> let's, go, goalkeepers union. <laughs> let's go ahead and hit up this man of the match poll. Nick, your favorite part of the podcast how did you do this week? The part of the show where I get yelled at a bunch. Um, no, it, pretty conclusive victory for N'Golo Conte. I mean, if you watch the match, he was the best player on the pitch for me personally. Uh, 59% of the vote. Hazard, 36%. Diego, 2%. Aspi, 3%. Lots of shouts for David Luiz, um, you know, to make this group, which, you know, I totally understand. David Luiz was great today. The reason I put Dave in there, for those wondering, uh, Dave had the uh, unhealthy uh, matchup with uh, Andy Carroll, and I think he he bossed it. Um, you know, for for uh, West Ham trying to exploit that quote unquote weakness in Chelsea's height on that side. So, uh, it, regardless, Ingolo Conte won going away, so it doesn't even matter, uh, and and really just wins us over in our hearts every week, Brandon. Yeah, I mean, essentially, at Brian Drums summed it up and says, I think Conte should just win it automatically, and the poll should be <laughs> who is the man of the match not named Conte, which, I mean, I think he's got a point. Oh, my God. I mean, look, we, we don't we don't always talk about him because he doesn't play the most exciting position on the field, but he played a through ball to himself today. <laughs> like, I, I just I, – I watch him on the field, and, and this is coming from a guy who loved Michael Essien, who loved Claude Makalele. That's my favorite position to watch on the pitch and he is incredible i mean he's just incredible and i hope that a lot of our fans are starting to realize like how special he is and how crucial he is to this team well we can give him a little bit of love real quick so 
at WellBeast on Twitter said, Leicester bought the league for $5.6 million and then sold it to Chelsea for $32 million. N'Golo Kante. Piggyback that off with the fact that N'Golo Kante has now won 143 points in the Premier League since the start of last season, more than any other player. He's nuts. I mean, he's just insane. And and I, I, I wax poetic about him every week, and I know that Hazard's way more, you know, cool and Diego Costa scores goals and, you know, Pedro is the roadrunner. But I, I'm, I'm such a fan of N'Golo Conte and I think he should win player of the year going away. Jeff, you want to get in on that? I, I would agree that he should win player of the year. I think he's, he's unbelievable. I just, I think that uh, Moses was really good today. I agree. Um, I, I thought he was, you know, he won a few headers early. Uh, I think that sort of maybe sent a message that, you know, Andy Carroll's not gonna not gonna dominate the game in the air. You know, he he cleared that one off the line that went past Courtois. He cleared it out. Uh, you know, he was he was active move going forward in an attacking sense. He tracked back. I mean, you know, West Ham wasn't really a threat down the flanks too much, but you know, I I just think he was really good. Um, you know, both defensively and attacking. Um, you know, I, I would go with Conte. I think Hazard was really good too. Um, I for for Hazard, I think it was. You know, I think it was a good mental test for him. I think, you know, you guys have talked about it before. When he goes into a match and he gets fouled a couple times early, he sometimes takes himself out of it. Uh, you know, he doesn't attack as much. And he got fouled, you know, two, three times in the opening minutes. Um, you know, Chiati was just no match for him. But, you know, he just – he kept attacking. And, you know, I thought it was impressive. But I, I would go with Conte as well. I think he was unbelievable. And, you know, he's he's unbelievable every match. You know, without him, I, I, I don't know where Chelsea would be. Well, I guess they'd be in 10th tenth place, but – yeah. <laughs> and where would Lester be right now? Top of the table. <laughs> well, as it as it does stand right now, Chelsea are still on top with 27 matches played in 66 points. Second place are Tottenham, also 27 played, 56 points. Man City, 26 played, still have that Manchester Derby to make up. They're sitting on 55 points, so they would be the ones that could potentially cut it from 10 to 8. Uh, Liverpool rounding out the top four, 27 played on 52 points. Arsenal dropping down to number oh. five after their loss to Liverpool. They do have a game in hand, though, at 26 games played and 50 points. And Manchester United holding down that record for most days. <laughs> in sixth. <laughs> in the same spot this season, 26 point, matches played, 49 points. They're so close. So close. Oh, man. The, the Arsenal fan TV just keeps getting worse. It's incredible. Like, uh those guys, those poor bastards. I, I never got into that until like two weeks ago. Well, actually, I guess it was like whenever Chelsea last played Arsenal. And now I'm addicted to it. Every every time they, they lose, I'm just, I'm on there immediately. I, I just really enjoyed this week. There was a new character, the guy wearing the uh, handsome hustler sh- uh, hat. And that was really oh, yeah. cool to, to, to see uh, to see some new characters start to come into the this hat, like midway point <laughs> of the season. Shake it up a bit. Brandon put that link in the in the group text where they removed all the words <laughs> except for fam and blood. And it was it was what like four minutes of that one dude saying fam blood, blood fam, fam blood, fam. It was well edited. That's what I was more impressed with, uh-huh. I promise. Troops troops is wonderful. All right. Yeah. Let's go ahead and take our second. We're gonna take our second break for our TV takes us over. Quick break, and we're gonna come back with your social media questions. Here we go. 
hey Dan, uh, have you noticed that Brandon has been cutting up uh, some some pretty sweet audio clips for for Instagram recently? Yeah, there's uh, definitely a few that have my voice in there and some really uh, astute opinions, and then a few that have featured your voice with maybe uh, a few less accurate statements. Yeah, I, I mean, I think you're wrong there, but I mean, what else is new on the show? Um, I, I think you should go uh, go follow us on Instagram at London Blue Pod. Brandon has started putting together these awesome video clips that are our mini podcasts uh, during the week uh, that are exclusive to our Instagram channel. It's the only place you can get them. So follow us at London Blue Pod. You will love it. All right, Chelsea fans, it is time to talk real quick about the stadium approval just announced recently. Uh, it's official because the London mayor tweeted it. I mean, that's how you know when when shit's legit, right, Dan? Yeah, you know, so uh, it pretty much assumed that we were going to approval from the mayor. The, uh, you know, the the local board had approved it to. So it's uh, continuing forward within the the planning process. So now we're going to have to wait and see about you know, securing our ground via the FA for uh, the time that we will be spending away from Stamford Bridge once we actually start completion uh, or start the project until its completion. Yeah, and I would say too that Liam Liam Toomey came on our show what three weeks ago, four weeks ago. Uh, something like that a uh, while back and, and said that the London mayor was not usually opposed to um, to 500 million pound projects coming into the city. So I don't think there, there was ever a doubt for this one, but it is kind of uh, a really big moment for the stadium, Brandon, where this, you know, kind of one of the last big hurdles from a from a kind of a, a green light perspective has been hit. And now it's largely down to. Uh, Chelsea negotiating with the ground share, with the uh, with the CPO, with all their contractors, with the you know potential Wembley move for a couple of years, and, and some of these final details, which I'm sure they've already been in, in talks with. Yeah, they've been been in talks a long time. Think we had Stanford Chidge, uh, the president of the Chelsea Supporters Trust, keeping us informed on that. But if you guys want to follow them, uh, Chelsea S Trust and the Pitch Owners have a Twitter account as well. So go check it out at Pitch Owners on Twitter. Wow, well done to them. Yeah, no doubt. All right, uh, at I underscore bout underscore well says, what's wrong with Modic? He looks like he is still on heavy legs even after being rested. Nick, uh, I mean, this is your defensive midfielder position, so you're the expert. What's going on? I don't know. Uh, I think this was a good call out from from our from our boy Daniel here. Um, you know, he, I would have thought that, you know, having been replaced in the last couple of weeks by Fabregas, that he would have come out just kind of uh, hair on fire, but it does not seem to be the case, and and I'm not really sure why, Jeff. Do you have any any thoughts? I mean, I, I think part of it is is I mean, I, I I agree that he's he doesn't look right. I just I also think part of it is just the way he moves. He's it's not a smooth gait when he runs. No. I mean, it's 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 like it just looks like it's some like like it, it takes a lot of effort for him to to move ten yards. It's like a laborious deal for him. So I think part of it is just you know, that's, that's the way he, he moves. And I think, you know, you look at him compared to, to Conte or you look at him compared to, you know, Fabregas or somebody like that, you know, Fabregas is not the most mobile person in the world, but Modic is just, it's just, you know, it's just, a, it's a process for him to, to get going. So, you know, I don't know if he's tired. I just don't know if maybe that's just the way he, he is and that's why he's always going to be, but it's just, it's, it's painful to watch sometimes. 
Modic and Alonzo playing on the same side sometimes. I, I don't know which one is which because they move the exact same way. They look like action figures that have like a reduced amount of points of articulation where <laughs> so you, you can't move them in as many ways as you could like the Pedro or Hazard figure. <laughs> Alonzo so was like when he was attacking, he had the when he you know dribbled in between two defenders. I, I was just like, why can't his feet move that quickly <laughs> all the other times that he ever runs? It's just. I mean, those their their strides are just so long, but it doesn't feel like they go anywhere. Yeah, that was a sweet dribble sequence uh, by Alonzo in the second half. Um, at Mile High underscore Hokey says, "Is West Ham's new stadium the worst new stadium in the history of sports?" Dan, as the resident historian of the entire history of sports. <laughs> What do you think? Uh, I, I would say that uh, some some Arsenal fans would say it's the Emirates, um, uh, based upon current form. Uh, it, it's pretty bad. It, it's it's not from from every standpoint. I was watching uh, our friend Nizar uh, Kinsella's uh, video after the match, and he was trying to do a little Facebook Live. Got a little bit heckled outside of it. Uh, the the videos that I've watched inside the stadium uh, have not been very positive. And uh, this is when they were happy that they still had Dimitri Payet. So it has probably not gotten any better at all. So I'm going to say yes. All right. Um, at Brian Drum's second appearance on the pod, he asks, is this Chelsea's most adaptive team? We play great with possession or on the counter. Always seem to play to other teams' weaknesses. Now, personally, Jeff, I think this is a lot to do with Conte and kind of him preparing the team and always being able to find exactly where we want to attack other teams. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a huge part of it. Uh, and But I think a, a bigger part is that's the sign of a, a, a successful team is when you can – you know, you have more than one way to win games. And that's, we saw West Ham just didn't have any, and it, you know, once we took Andy Carroll away, that was it. Um, so I think Chelsea is able to adjust and adapt as the match, you know, goes along, you know, West Ham came out, you know, maybe more attacking uh, than and anyone thought. And, you know, Chelsea said, okay, we'll play on the counter. And, and, you know, starting Fabregas, you said, you might've thought, you know, this is going to be a possession game for Chelsea and, and, you know, it wasn't like that, but they came out, they saw that West Ham was going to attack a little bit more and they were able to beat them on the counter. I just think that's a sign of, of having good players, well-managed team. Um, you know, you, you look at all the teams all around Europe and then they can play different styles too. And so I just think this is, this is a sign of, of Chelsea sort of taking the next step. Uh, Nick, Matt Sadler on Facebook asked, as we head into the final stretch of the season, do you expect to see more and more counterattacking football from Chelsea as we look to keep things tight at the back and a play a more safer style of football similar, similar to the Jose side of 2015? Or do you expect Conte to keep pushing the team to be ruthless and push for more goals and kill teams off? Obviously just piggybacking essentially off Twitter and what Jeff said. Uh, kill teams off is the right answer. And I think that's what's going to happen. Um, you know, I think that there were, you know, the Alonzo chance kind of comes up in my mind. Diego Costa had a chance to make it 3-0. Uh, you know, it, it, we didn't tr- stop trying in this game to, to score goals. It wasn't like we just set up shop and we're like, all right, we're done here today. Like there were still counterattacks happening in the, uh, in the 93rd minute, you know, and, I think that's how Antonio Conte is always going to be. You know, I, I think the game is not completely done until it's three, four, or five nil, and and he can finally take a, a breather. But 
Um, you know, I, I don't know. I think that, you know, this is not going to be the same as 14, 15. I, I just don't see that. All right. I mean, yeah, it, it you can still kill a team off while playing counterattacking football. Just throwing that out there. Uh, Nick, I just want to point out that you and Daniel Cheshire had a bromance <laughs> moment on Facebook. As we do. Yeah. So uh, Daniel said, am I the only one who screams, have a goddamn shot at the TV while these guys make one or two extra unnecessary passes in front of goal? That is uh, one of my biggest pet peeves for those who have listened to the show for three years. Uh, God bless you. Um, it, it, you know, I, I, I just wanted to rip the ball sometimes, you know, especially when our, our, our attack isn't kind of working the way it should. There are some points today where our passes weren't coming off. Someone just step up and take a shot and see what happens like Pedro did last week. See, when I read that for the first time, Nick, I thought it was that was your Chelsea drinking game that you have. <laughs> I wish. I was at work today, but um, on, on a weekend, I think the, the coffee might have to start to get spiked. <laughs> Uh, next one that we had here, just a real quick shout out to Topher Wayne. Uh, also having a man crush on you, Jeff, saying that he <laughs> follows you for college basketball insights. Uh, he is a Kentucky fan. Uh, must be nice. One uh, of the so, Kentucky fans cool. that seem to appreciate me. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll uh, we'll give you a quick shout out. Uh, my last two shout outs, actually, I you know I apologize for not doing these earlier, but Josh Etter and Agrippa Mayembe on Facebook did predict the Jay Hill prediction game properly today 2-1 congrats to you guys jumping in on social we're gonna go ahead and wrap it up with I think one of the best questions we've gotten on Facebook from Ashish Pillai they say for the past five years an attacking player has won the Premier League player of the year award do you think N'Golo Kante will break that trend this year Jeff what do you think I say yes, and I think it's going to, going to be not just because of the way he played this year, but I think it's going to be basically a two-year award for him that he should have gotten it last year. And so they're going to make up for that by giving it to him this year. I mean, I think that his two-year body of work you yep. know, proves it above and beyond a reasonable doubt, in case that's necessary, Dan. Yeah, I, I don't know if he's going to get the Lord of the Rings Oscars treatment. Um <laughs> But I, I, I think if Costa gets over 20 goals, I think he might end up being the player of the year. But give him golden boot, hopefully. And then. Yeah, I mean, he still has to catch a hat trick carry. But, uh, you know, I think that <laughs> it's, uh, you know, you can go score all the hat tricks you want if we're winning the title. I, I can't give a damn about that. <laughs> yeah, I would say just quickly, I think Ingolo Gante will win the award, not only because of the way he's playing currently but because of the way Lester isn't playing this year. Yeah. Uh, and, and I, you know, when people look at that and see the dramatic kind of turnover, you know, the, the, the point that was made earlier is like, he is legitimately the league right now. I mean, he, he's playing at a level uh, and with a stamina that no one else has. And you, know, you look at Lester and you're like, man, what happened to you guys? Oh, you lost one of your best players ever. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I think he will win it. I think there will be a, a cry out from the media if he doesn't win it because um, that's how it goes. But uh, regardless, he's still going to have the same $5 haircut and smile on the pitch for, you know, whatever happens. So uh, we're just excited to have him and hopefully lock him down to an even longer-term contract after this year. Well, I would like to point out that he's not the only one to win back-to-back Premier League medals. Uh, Mark Schwartzer, anyone? 
if you're boy. <laughs> Hashtag goalkeepers goalkeepers union. Union. Boo. Hey, it's a fact. All right. You can't Mark take that away. <laughs> all right. That is a wrap for social media questions. As always, thank you all so much for submitting them. Let's go ahead and bring it home with our last promo break. And then it's on to Man United in the FA Cup. Here we go. Dan, uh, I think it's pretty well known at this point that N'Golo Conte is my favorite Chelsea player uh, on the on the squad currently. Um, if I were to need to acquire a jersey of his, do you know where I could get one? Well, if your fingers can move as fast as N'Golo Conte's feet when he dispossesses and then passes to himself, you could go right to worldsoccershop.com in the name N'Golo Conte. Uh, and then you be greeted with a multitude of different options that you get home. Bam, you're good to go. Yeah, and, and if you use our referral link, that's the best way to support our show again. Uh, do that. Eighty nine ninety nine for an Angolo Conte home kit. Probably going to be PFA Player of the Year. Uh, do that. Last year for Adidas. Brandon, take us away. All right, bringing us on home, Manchester United is the next match up on the schedule. FA Cup match, thankfully, at Stamford Bridge. It will be this coming Monday again, March 13th. Mark it on your calendars, boys. Going to be another late one. All right, well, opponent's last result sees Zlatan getting charged for alleged violent conduct, but I don't think anyone agrees that it's alleged i think it's pretty clear uh the safe assumption will be three matches which will put him out for this match uh obviously you know united start to make a run and then they go on a drawing streak can't really seem to you know put something together in the premier league to really move themselves up but to their credit nick they are in every competition possible still yeah, I mean, and they've been playing pretty well ever since we waxed them uh, earlier in the year. Um, you know, they they have all the talent in the world. They should be pretty good. And, you know, I think the, the point that I brought up on Twitter today, which I would kind of like to pose to the group, is, you know, do you think that Zlatan or, or Marcus Rashford is more of a danger to our back line in the way that it's currently constructed? Dan, what do you think? Yeah, I, I I think the pace is definitely a concern, but I think Zlatan has he scored more goals over the age of thirty five uh, at thirty than he has um, now <laughs> at, at thirty five. Like it, it's just crazy. Like pre thirty versus post thirty, he scored more goals. Um, so I, I I don't know when someone's on form like that and on fire, I'm much happier he's sitting out and now. You know, Mourinho has to come up with a different game plan um, than just trying to get the ball to Zlatan and making him work his magic. You know who else has scored more goals than any other time in their career? Edison Cavani. Is that a coincidence? I don't know. I mean, I'm just saying that it's the French League. Like, he spent a lot of his 30s in Ligue 1. I don't know. Jeff, what do you think? I mean, I just think Zlatan's ability in the air... I think that would have troubled Chelsea. I mean, I guess I would have thought it back in the fall, too. That didn't seem to matter. But, you know, nobody besides Esseltan has more than six goals for United this year. And to me, that's that's a tremendous drop-off. And anytime you can get a, a clear go-to scorer like that out of the lineup, it you know, it's it's hard to, for me to say that 
you know, I'm, I'm more concerned about Rashford just because of what Zlatan's been doing. I, I know that Rashford's pace is going to be, is going to create issues, but Zlatan's ability in the air and, and sort of his, the way he drops deep, collects the ball and, and goes at, at the net. I just, you know, to me, that always concerns me. And, and I know he hasn't really done much against Chelsea the past you know, several years, but, um, you know, to, to go from a guy that scores, you know, however many goals he has this year to someone, to a team that has no one that scored more than six. Um, I just think that's a, that's a big drop off. I, I think it will depend Brandon on which back line is playing, because if you factor in, you know, this might be one of the last matches that Terry gets in the FA cup and maybe a Nathan Ake and a current Zuma are playing as, you know, to give David Louise and Dave and Kale some rest. I don't know. Like uh, Rashford, Rashford gives me moments of, of pause, and I think he's going to be absolutely electric at some point in his career, um, given the chance. So, I mean, it, given you know, if, if Dave and uh, you know Louise and Cahill all play, you know, I think you guys are probably right. But if that alternate backline plays, that saw some trouble against uh, you know Wolves. Uh, I don't know. Like that could be kind of worrying. Yeah, I I don't think the uh, anything other than our traditional Premier League lineup. Because I, I don't think Mourinho is going to sit out anything differently because being locked into sixth place like Saw, like he's trying to like saw off his hand to get out of the room. Um, this this is his only opportunity to add something to the cabinet for United this season. And so if he's going to go strong lineup, I, I don't see Conte other than our best. I'd agree. You know, he's got a week off and then we would play another five days after that. So, you know, it's kind of the one match a week, everything. I am pulling up Manchester Manchester United's fixture list right now because I know that they have some matches uh, around that time as well. So, yes. They've got they, a Rostov, right? Yes, they play Europa League. Uh, March 9th, you know, previous to our match, which is why ours is pushed to Monday. Uh, so, you know, they're going to be going to FC Rostov um, and then back before FA Cup match. So that could take some pace out of them. Mourinho is definitely going to want to play full strength lineup every single week. We know that from previous experience. We all want a rotation and never got it. But we'll have to see. I mean, the Rostov match could be a nice little blessing. Uh, going into it. Let's see. Chelsea have scored at least two goals in eight of their last nine matches in the FA Cup. Man United have won five of their last six matches in the FA Cup. So, you know, pretty much there have been over two and a half goals scored in five of Man United's last six games. Yada, yada, yada. All I'm hearing is that there are going to be goals in this game. I think the biggest thing that is still up for debate is going to be the lineup. Uh, So real quick, do you guys think, you know, I know Nick, you kind of alluded to it, Premier League lineup. Or uh, are we going to see some rotation? Dan, we'll start with you. No rotation, strongest lineup possible. A uh, chance to go for for two trophies in his first season. I think Antonio Conte uh, will have uh, no desire to rest anyone, and it is going to. I, I think Pedro will continue his magic form in the FA Cup and will either assist or score a goal. Yeah, I, I would I would go probably a full strength lineup. I mean, th- there are only a couple of places where you might see some changes. Um, you know, maybe a Ake coming in or, or something like that. But uh, but overall, you know, I, you know, the more you guys talk about it, the more I'm on board with kind of the full strength lineup. 
If only it were always that easy, Jeff. What do you think? Yeah, I think it's going to be a you know full strength lineup. Maybe one or two changes. Uh, you know, I don't I don't think we're going to see a you know wholesale changes to the back line or or you know a whole new midfield. I think maybe one or two changes max, and I don't even know if we're going to see that. Uh, you know, maybe we'll see Begovic and for Courtois, and and maybe one of the the center backs changes, but that's that's about it. I was going to do a Begovic shout as well. Uh, I think you're right on there, but you know, as far as we see. Uh, Conte will use his subs, so depending on how the game goes, maybe we'll get some minutes for Mishi, but I wouldn't hold my breath, Chelsea fans. Uh, that is a wrap for this episode, though. Thank you all for listening. If you're still in at this point, you are the real hero of the London is Blue <laughs> podcast. So real quick, we're going to do our final thoughts and jet out of here. Uh, right, let's go Dan first up this time. Well, I, I think the the biggest shout out this week is to to Jeff for joining us and, and spending some time with us to you know obviously help our out because Lord knows about football, so we clearly need some help. Um, and then you know I think just the awesome fact that the stadium moving forward and you know it's it's probably an opportunity to think been the current version. Uh, start to think about uh, ways you get over there. Thank you very much uh, for thanking the rest of us. Uh, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, man. Uh, so I think my my major uh, final thought would be to shout out Victor Moses on his new contract. Uh, that is huge for him. He has earned it, uh, put in a shift almost every single week played all the FA cup games, you know, rarely gets substituted, uh, you know, and you start to see, you know, with him signing his new contract that people are coming out of the woodwork saying, I knew Victor when, and I knew he'd be awesome. But, you know, I think this is really a credit to Antonio Conte utilizing him in the proper way, uh, making him kind of see his potential. And, uh, he, he has clearly done that this year. So major shout out to Vic. Yeah, it's fantastic for him. Um, all hard work on his part. Uh, Jeff, anything else that you would uh, like to shout out for this podcast? Maybe anything we should be on the lookout for you as we head into crazy time? Uh, well, first I want to shout out you guys. Thanks for having me on. I love talking football. I love talking Chelsea football. Uh, I want to shout out Michael Essien. When you guys asked me my favorite Chelsea player ever, and I said Deco, I should have mentioned both. Him and Michael Essien, I, f- I felt bad about it the entire podcast. Um, <laughs> and, and yeah, so, you know, obviously my 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 day job is uh, college basketball. March Man is coming up, so just follow me on Twitter, Jeff Borzello, and then you'll find everything there. Awesome. Well, as always, Chelsea fans, that is a wrap. Thank you so much for joining us. Please reach out to us and engage with us this week. We love keeping the conversation going. But as always, until next time, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high. All right, Chelsea fans, that is a wrap for this week. Don't panic, though, as we'll be back after Chelsea's next match. So to be sure you don't miss it, subscribe on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at LondonBluePod. Until next time, Chelsea fans, keep the blue flag flying high.